0: Thank you for that anthem choir. What a great reminder that we worship God for the world can know, experience, and sing God's love. What a great and amazing challenge and gift we've been given as believers to do that. Uh, This morning for our psalm is going to be Psalm 24. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Psalm 24. Are you also in your order of worship? The psalm is there for you to read as well. Or you can um, listen. Uh, The Bible was a book that in for many, many, many ways was written to be heard. So I'll uh, follow along in your order of worship, follow along in the Pew Bible, follow along in your own personal Bible, or just listen for the word of God this morning as we read. Psalms 24. The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it, the world and those who live in it. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it on the rivers. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? Those who have clean hands and pure hearts, who do not lift up their souls to what is false, and do not swear deceitfully. They will receive blessing from the Lord, and vindication from the God of our salvation. Such is the company of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O gates! And be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. This is the word of God for the people of God thanks be to God. I love the book of Psalms. I really do. I just love the Psalms in so many ways. If you, if you have, since I've been at St. Matthew's, if you've given the church your email address, you may have started receiving a daily devotional that I send out most mornings. If you have not done that, feel free to just shoot me an email at the well, my, yeah, I think my email's in the bulletin. Just grab a bulletin and shoot me an email, and I'll plug you into my devotional list. I send out a little devotional thought Monday through Thursdays, and a lot of times I'll find that I wind up reflecting upon a psalm because I just, I just love the psalms. They are such a powerful book of Scripture. The psalms for, were for the Israelites, they're hymnal. They would sing the psalms on the way to worship at Mount Zion. And, and I love, this is why I love the psalms. I love the psalms because they are so radically honest. Whatever emotion you ever experience in your life, you're gonna find that emotion in a psalm. One of my professors said in seminary, the psalms follow the same basic pattern. Lord, you are good. Lord, they are wicked. Lord, kill them. Lord, why haven't you killed them yet? I mean, that's not every psalm. But there are a couple that kind of fall into that description. My own personal favorite psalm is Psalm 137, specifically verse 9. Um, when I was a young child, the majority of my whoopings were for my smart mouth. Um, as Tim can attest, working with me is a, tr- as a true pleasure because you never know what's going to come out of this mouth. It's always kind of exciting, and I've got a real smart look streak. Still do. Um, my mama didn't quite beat it out of me. Um, so most of my whoopings were for that. When I went to college, uh, I went, uh, a lot of my friends liked to show how holy they were, not by their lifestyles, but show how ho- holy they were by the number of Bible passages, passages that they could quote. So they would always come to me and say, Andy, what is your favorite Bible passage? And my response was, oh, my favorite Bible passage is Psalm 137, verse 9, where it says, blessed are those who take your children and dash their heads against the rocks. So the Bible says the pathway to blessedness is to take a child and dash their head against the rock. Now, it doesn't say if you use the ankles. It doesn't go into specifics, but it says that's the pathway to blessedness. That's what it, And, of course, everybody at that point would go, ah, and run away, which is kind of what I was going for uh, usually. Um, but i tell you what, I do love, why I love that passage in all seriousness. I really do love that passage. That was a psalm written by the Jews when they were in exile. If you go back and look at Bible history, Babylon— destroyed Jerusalem and so the Jews they lost their land they lost the temple and they lost what in their mind was the very promise of God they were defeated and they were angry and they lashed out so I'm not defending that sentiment but you know what sometimes we're angry aren't we Sometimes we're hurt. Sometimes we're bitter. Sometimes we have real issues of unforgiveness that we're working through. And at that point, we have two options. We can pray a safe prayer, which is, Oh, God, everything is great, and I'm just happy. We can pray an honest prayer that says, Lord, I'm dying here. I'm hurting. I'm angry. I'm bitter, and there's some bad stuff in my soul right now, God, that you've got to help me with. God cannot help you with your brokenness and your anger and the issues in your life until you give it to him. He cannot help you until you give it to him. And that's why, to me, the Psalms are so powerful, because they are a testament after a testament of a broken people giving to God their brokenness. I love the psalms. Church, do not pray safe prayers. Pray honest prayers. Prayers where you're really giving it to God, because he can't help you until you do that. So I love, I love the psalms. They are always just a great encouragement and reminder to me. And so today's psalm was one that really spoke to, spoke to me when I read it. And when you read Psalm 24, there are basically three movements to the psalm, three things going on in the psalm this morning. First, we see this, the very, the very first line where it says, in, in, ver- in verse one, it says, the earth is the Lord's, all that are in it, the world and those who live in it, for he has founded upon the seas and established it upon the waters. It's all God, y'all. And though the all... Oh, the wrong seems all so strong. God is the ruler, yet. This is His world. We are living in His world. And so He is God. No matter how afraid you may be, no matter how scary it may feel, no matter how alone you may feel, He is still God. This is still His world. He is still in charge, He is still sovereign, He is still Lord. This is all of his. And so the thing with us as believers we have to deal with sometimes is that God is not just God from 11 o'clock to noon on Sundays. God is God on Tuesday afternoons when you need some more coffee because you're tired. And you like to pray for your co-worker by placing hands on them around the neck and praying real hard. We've all got some co-workers we love to pray real hard for, don't we, Tim? Yeah. You know, I tell folks, you guys, oh, you just made me some coffee. Me and Tim kind of got a Johnny Carson, Ed McMahon thing going on right now, which makes me very happy. And I love the fact y'all know that joke. That makes me very happy. I told the youth one day about Fred Sanford. They looked at me like, who? Like, y'all don't know who Fred Sanford is? What's wrong with this world? I just don't want to, you know. But God is God. See, as Christians, what we do here has to impact our Tuesdays and our Thursdays and our Saturdays. Because God is God, not just of the church. God is God, not just of the church time. Worship is not just something that happens now, but the Earth is the Lord. What the world needs are Christians that don't turn their Christianity off at 12 noon on Sundays. The Christians. That have every life, every moment of their life infused by this fact that the earth is the Lord's. It's all God's. It's all his world. This is my father's world. Oh, let me never forget. This is God's world. Well, then the second movement says that those will enter onto his holy hill. So it isn't just that God, this is God's world, but there is a a holiness that comes from God, that we get to enter into God's presence. You're like, yeah, we get to enter into God's presence. That's amazing. I can't wait to enter into God's presence. That's awesome. But then who is it? Who is it that gets the golden ticket? Who is it that gets to enter into God's presence? Who is it that gets to see God? Because that's exciting to, to think about encountering the divine and encountering the holy. Who gets to see God? And the text says those that get to see God are those that have clean hands and pure hearts. Uh oh. Because I don't know about you, but that's not me. I don't always have clean hands and pure hearts. Sometimes when I'm driving down County Line Road, I think things preachers shouldn't think when I get in traffic. (laughs) I don't always have clean hands and pure heart. I haven't always had clean hands and a pure heart. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. Well, prone to wander, Lord, I fear it. Prone to leave the God I love. I don't know about y'all, but I feel that way sometimes. I know that the only thing good in me is the fact that I'm married above myself and I've got a loving God. If the only way we're going to get to see God is with pure hands, clean hands, and a pure heart. That might leave me outside looking in. Because I'm imperfect. I'm broken. I've done some really dumb things in my life. Still do. So while this may all be God's, I then begin to wonder am I going to get to see his face? Because I don't know. well, how do we get pure hands and pure hearts? I love how the Bible will sometimes ask questions and then answers. So this is all God's. And there, there's a holiness that comes from God's presence, but yet only those who have clean hands and a pure heart will enter into his presence. Well, how do we get this, these clean hands and this pure heart? How do we do that? It says in verse six, such is the company of those who seek him those who see seek the face of Jesus. Our clean hands and our pure heart does not come via our own effort or our own righteousness or our own work, but our clean hands and our pure heart comes only through the power and the grace of Jesus Christ. He is the one that makes us pure. He is the one that saves us. He is the one that washes us clean. It's not via our own goodness. It's not via our own perfection. It's not because of our own stuff, but it's only and always because of Jesus Christ. He is the one that washes us. He is the one that saves us. He is the one that brings us in, not me, him. I'm not saved because of my own righteousness, as Holly can attest. I am saved because of the grace of Jesus Christ. It's not about us. It's about him. So when we come to him, he makes us clean. He restores us, and he brings us in. See, the thing we do sometimes is we want those pure hands and those clean hearts. We want that. That's what we desire. That's how we try really hard to be faithful. We try to do it right. We try to get it right, and we find ourselves lacking. For instance, don't think of a pink elephant. What did you each do when I said that? Thought of a pink elephant. So we leave tomorrow morning thinking, I'm not going to blow it today. I'm not going to make a mistake. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to be perfect. I'm going to do it right because I want to please God. I really am. And so we leave the house with that intent. And then there's a line at Starbucks or cups. And it all goes downhill fast. We find ourselves back where we started. And we think, I'm never going to get it right. And you're right, you're never going to get it right. C.S. Lewis says, no man knows how very evil he is till he has tried very hard to be good. You can't do it. It's okay. If you could do it, Jesus came for nothing. But he came because we couldn't. And he came to do it for us. Those that seek his face. See, y'all, it's all relational. It's all relational. Think about all the ways that our sovereign God could have chosen to have saved the world. I mean, he's God. He could have snapped his fingers and fixed things. But instead, what he did was he chose to enter into our world in the person of Jesus Christ, chose to suffer and die for our sins, chose to be resurrected, and chose to be risen. So that we could be saved, not through our own perfection or not through our own stuff, but that we are saved via relationship with him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, who whoever sure would believe would not perish, but have eternal life. Those that are in relationship with him. So then, he has saved us through relationship. And he calls us to then go out in the world and save the world through relationship. He has you where he has you. He has you doing what what you're doing. He has you in the place and in the space and and where he wants you for his purpose and for his glory. Because there's somebody, there's somebody this week, there's somebody in your family, there's somebody in your work, there's somebody in your life that's going to need you to be Jesus to them. To love them like he loves you. To give them grace like he has given you grace. To give them mercy like he has given you mercy. Those who have been shown grace are called to show grace to others. We don't react with God because of our own righteousness. We do it because of the grace he's given us. And then we live that grace out to others. Y'all, it's not about perfection. It's never about perfection because we can never be perfect. This side of glory, we're going to always struggle with something. You don't enter onto this holy hill because of your worth. You enter into holy hill because of his worth and because of what he's done. See, life's about brokenness, y'all. There's broken folks all around. There's folks that need to know Jesus like me and you. It's never about perfection. It's always about relationships. Always about relationships. See so what God does is God takes the brokenness of this life and does something amazing with it. He takes the brokenness of our lives. He takes the, the failures and the faults of our lives and does something utterly amazing. You've heard a little bit about my family um, I always need a float. when I talk about my family, I need a flow chart and a, a, a whiteboard to write it all down. I always say my family puts the fun in dysfunctional. that's what we do. Um, but uh, one, of, one of my favorite life verses is, is Romans eight twenty eight. We know that all things work to the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Our lives have all manner of brokenness, all manner of unworthiness in them. The power of God is not that bad stuff doesn't happen. The power of God is not that he that that the power of God is not that he always stops tragedy. But the power of God is that he can bring good out of anything. I want to tell you a little bit about my family. I was uh, I was raised by my, my grandparents. Uh, my grandparents adopted me when I was two years old. Um, my um, biological mother was uh, named Sarah. That's where my daughter Sarah gets her name from. Um, my biological, father, he, my biological father was an addict. Uh, he struggled with addiction of many types. Uh, would gotten in a fair amount of trouble uh, throughout my early childhood. And uh, my Mama Sarah told him, said, you come home again drunk and I'm leaving with the baby because I don't want him to be raised in that type of environment. So uh, he, he continued to struggle with the drinking and addiction and, and so she decided she was leaving. So he came home and I just actually found out part of the story recently. He came home um, for one last effort at fixing the family and got really angry and got very combat- combative and very abusive. So she decided she was going to leave. She decided she was going to walk out and be gone forever. So she was walking out of the house there in Macomb and uh, she had me in her arms as she walked out of the house and he took out a gun he shot and killed her. So she was murdered. And uh, the last, her last act upon the earth, I just the part I just found out recently, her last act upon the earth was she staggered towards a car where her best friend was waiting and handed me off to her best friend before she died. So at that point, my grandparents, my mom and daddy, they moved from, Macomb, from New Orleans to Macomb, adopted me. Um, they are, they, I call mom and daddy because that's who raised me. Uh, they're in my, by the way, my, my daddy is no blood kin to me. He is my maternal step-grandfather. No, he's my daddy. He was the best man at my wedding, and I love him because he redeemed for me the idea of father because of what he did for me in my life. My mom, my biological mother, Mama Sarah, she was murdered on her mother's birthday and was buried on mine. So we just kind of let birthdays go for us. The power of God is not that he stops the brokenness from happening, the power of God is that there's nothing he can't redeem. If I hadn't been raised by my grandparents I wouldn't have went to Johnson Chapel I probably wouldn't have even went to church. If I hadn't went to Johnson Chapel I probably wouldn't be a Christian. If I wasn't a Christian I wouldn't be a preacher. If I wasn't a preacher I wouldn't be standing here in front of you right now. If I hadn't been raised by my grandparents I wouldn't have went to Bogachuda I would have went to Macomb. If I hadn't went to Bogachuda I wouldn't have went to Colin, because back in the dark ages you went to the closest junior college and I would have went to Southwest not Colin. and if I hadn't went to Colin, I wouldn't have met Holly. I wouldn't have my wife, and my children. So, was my mom's murder a good thing? Of course not. She's not been there for every key moment of my life. Wasn't there for the birth of her grandchildren. Wasn't there for my ordination. Wasn't there for my wedding. But God was at work in the midst of the brokenness, bringing out good. Genesis fifty twenty: 20, what man intended for evil, God intended for good. Romans 8, 28, all things work for the good of those who love God and according to his purpose. What I'm telling you this is this, y'all. There's brokenness all around you. There's brokenness in your life. There's broken people in your life. And what they need is grace. I'm standing here because of my grandparents and because of the love of Johnson Chapel, United Methodist Church, the love of my community, and the love of my schools. And I'm a living testimony to the power of God to bring good out of anything. What I'm saying is stop, being, stop trying to be perfect, start being human, and start loving. Because there's somebody in your life that needs you to love them like Jesus loves them. And that, friends, is how we change the world. That's how we bring resurrection, that's how we bring hope, and that's how we bring life. We do not do it through our own perfection, but we do it through the power, the grace, and the love of Jesus Christ. He is the one that changes things because he changes us. And when he changes us, we change the world through him. That is our calling, and that's what the world needs. It's for those who have been impacted by grace to impact others by grace. So we see it's all his. He brings us to his holy mountain, not through our own works, but through seeking his face. And then it ends with this. Lift up your heads, O gates. Oh, be lifted up that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts, mighty in victory, mighty in battle, mighty in grace. Lift up your heads, O oh church. Lift up your heads, O oh world, that the King of glory may come in. The word receive could act, the word lift up there could also be translated as receive. Jesus Christ is in our midst. Jesus Christ is in our church. Jesus Christ is in our hearts. Jesus Christ is in our life. So be lifted up because he is present and he has called us and he has saved us and he wants us to go out and live that life for the world. So be lifted, oh church, because Jesus Christ is here. In our midst, I love the symbology of the cross and the flame coming forth, reminding us that he is here. But then the cross and the flame going out, reminding us to go. Because there's somebody in your life this week that needs to know Jesus. There's somebody in your life that needs to be impacted by the same grace that's impacted you. Be lifted Church, live in his grace. Because it's his grace that saves you. It's his grace that calls you forward. It's his grace that changes things. Y'all, grace changes things. I asked my mama one day, talking about my mama Sarah. I asked my mama one day, I said, I said, do you hate him? It's the man that killed her daughter in cold blood. I said, Do you hate him? He said, No, Andy. If I hate him, he wins. That's the power of forgiveness, y'all. Unforgiveness is you drinking a poison and expecting it to kill them. It'll kill you. They'll sleep fine at night, won't bother them a bit. It'll kill you. That's grace, y'all. Only grace can change a life. Only love can change a life. And as the body of Christ, made up by his followers, we have got to live that out in relationships with each other and with this world. That's what the world needs, y'all. That's what the world needs. It's for us to live out this grace that we believe in. So be lifted, church be lifted. Live out that grace. And let's just see what God wants to do with it. Let's pray. Father God, may you be glorified in this place. May you be glorified in our life. Be lifted up now this morning, O God, through our words, through our songs, through our worship. We love you. You are worthy of all of our praise and all of our worship. We ask it in Jesus' sweet and holy name. Amen. This morning, as we have our final song, our hymn of commitment, the altar is open. I uh, like to tell you every week we're not going to sing 35 verses just as I am. (laughs) But every Sunday, you're going to have the chance to meet Jesus, no matter where you are. Maybe you've never met him for the first time. Maybe you've just been going to church for a long time, but you've never met Jesus. Today's the day to meet him. Maybe you need to come pray. I don't know what's going on in your life. But you just may need to come pray at the altar. The altar will be open for prayer. Maybe you'd like to have me pray with you. I'd love to pray with you. But no matter where you are right now, I know where Jesus is. He's here ready to meet you. So this morning, during our final song, the altars are open. Won't you come? Come.